You know, there is no way that we could have known as a church family over a year and a half ago that when Derek and Ashley and Brooklyn Barrett joined our church staff family, that we were getting not only a phenomenal worship pastor, but an incredible leader and communicator. I'm so excited that this morning, Derek is gonna be preaching into the life of our church, and I know that God has got something for every single one of us. I wanna ask you, if you will, right now, stand to your feet and give a crazy in-house Lake Hills Church welcome to Pastor Derek Barrett. Guys, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You can take a seat. Hey, as, uh, as Pastor Max said, my name is Derek. I am the worship pastor here. Excited to be with you guys this morning. Excited to share uh, what I believe God's put on my heart for today. And at the same time, I got a lot for us to go through. So if you don't mind, let's dive in. I've got to uh, start this message out by addressing something from the very beginning that I need to get out on the table. Because if I don't, I know it's the only thing that you're gonna be thinking about for the rest of the message. So I need to admit something to you. We can move on. Everybody okay with that? Okay, here's the deal. I know that we have been privileged and honored for the past couple weeks to have Bill Jones speaking a fantastic two-part message. Yeah, we can give it up for Bill. Hey, he did a fantastic job bringing a message that, uh, that we need to hear as a church. I believe our world needs to hear. So if you haven't had the opportunity to check that out, I wanna encourage you to do so. Um, but here's the deal. Because you're stuck with me this morning, there is a key difference between Bill and myself that you've already noticed that I already noticed. And that difference is this. We're going to get it on the table. My arms are nowhere near as big as Bill Jones's. And if you haven't seen Bill Jones yet, this is the dude. Oh my Lord. Look at those cannons. I'm not working with that same firepower here this morning. I hope that's okay. I know that he talked about his gun collection in, in week one, but oh my goodness, he saved the biggest for the stage. And obviously, not working with that, I hope that's okay. I wanted to have a little fun with that this morning, but I also wanted the opportunity just to express how much I and how much Lake Hills Church appreciates Bill and who he is as a person, who he is as a leader, as a communicator. And you know, he talked the past couple of weeks about a subject that, in his own words, nobody wants to talk about. And yet he did a fantastic job. I know that I walked away with a deeper, deeper level of uh, understanding and wisdom and instruction. Hopefully all of us walked away with some action steps for how to move forward in the right way. So Bill, thank you, man. We appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, today we are going to be diving into kind of a new message topic. I know we're still in the series, Welcome Home, but over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking about the subject of courage and not the courage that is a human courage or the courage that we can muster up for ourselves, but we're going to look at what is a godly courage this morning. And here's what I know. I think that this message topic is extremely applicable to this season that we're in because I believe that we could all agree that we are in a season that has with it a, a high level of unknowns, right? We've got the unknown of health. We've got the unknown of finance and economy, the unknown of government, unknown of social unrest. We've got the unknown of when is the world going to get back to normal? Is the world going to get back to normal? And I know that with the unknown naturally can come some fear. And yet at the same time, the Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, 
self-discipline. And so I think there are things that God wants to show us that we need in order to step into a godly courage. We're going to look at some of those things today. We're going to be in the story of Joshua, which in my opinion is one of the greatest stories of courage that we see in the Bible. And before we jump in to the story of Joshua, I want to give you a little bit of background of where we're going to pick up this story, just so that we're all on the same page here. The story of, of Joshua is ultimately the story of, of fulfillment of God's promise to his people. What I mean by that is way back in the day, there was a dude named Abraham and God comes to Abraham and he promises Abraham, hey, I'm gonna give you a land that I want you and your descendants to have for themselves. You're not gonna be wandering nomads anymore, but I'm gonna promise you a land. This is where we get the term promised land for you to step into uh, and own for yourselves. And at the same time, we see that it was over 400 years later that God's people actually step into the fulfillment of this promise. So you got God promise Abraham something. Over 400 years later, he uses a man named Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. This is a great side note reminder for us that God always comes through on his promise, and yet it's not always in our timeline. If you were to ask Abraham if 400 years or more was in his timeline, he probably would have said no, and yet God always comes through. And Joshua is a very similar uh, thing to what we're experiencing, although to a higher degree, where he's facing a series of unknowns. And where we pick up the story in Joshua, Joshua has just taken over leadership of the Israelites from a guy named Moses. Some of us may be familiar with Moses' story. I believe we're going to look at him next week, so we won't camp out here for too long. Um, but he's taking over from Moses. And where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1, I actually want to show you a map. We're going to put a map on the screen for anybody who's a visual learner. The outline of this map is the promised land. And this kind of red square with the arrow is where we meet Joshua in chapter one. And they're camped out on the east side of the Jordan River. And their first assignment is going to be to cross the river and to conquer the land of Canaan and ultimately inhabit the promised land. Now for Joshua uh, and where we're going to spend the majority of our time today, he has a conversation with the Lord where they're camped out here in Joshua chapter one. And this conversation is kind of a, a confidence booster that the Lord, pep talk, if you will, that the Lord is giving Joshua. He's saying, hey, I want you to have courage. And this phrase even, um, you know, if you're not familiar with the story of Joshua, or maybe you're not even familiar with any of the Bible, I'm sure you still would have heard a variation of the phrase, be strong and courageous. Right? We see this sometimes printed on coffee mugs. You can find it hanging on the wall of people's houses. It's a, it's a, it's a phrase that gets repeated over and over in the book of Joshua. And also another side note for us, the most repeated command in all of scripture is this command, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We're gonna see this over and over in the story of Joshua. Do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. And I don't think that God repeats himself that many times in scripture because he likes to hear the sound of his own voice. I think it is because there's something that he wants us to take from that statement that he wants us to remember and remember and remind ourselves to remember, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. And so there's four things that Joshua takes uh, that the Lord gives him, I believe, in this conversation in order for him to have a godly courage. They're the same four things I wanna look at today. So let's dive in to the story here in Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one, says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, who was Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now, the first thing we see Joshua take from this conversation 
Um, the first thing I think we need to take in order to step into a godly courage is a word called calling. Calling. Number one is calling. You could also say assignment. We need a calling or an assignment. We see Joshua get his calling here in the scripture where the Lord says, go, lead the people across the river into the land. Now, here's something interesting. We also get a glimpse in this passage into one of the things that God is not very good at. I know that sounds like an alarming statement because there's not a lot of things out there that God isn't good at, but we do see one of them here, and that is that God is not very good at giving eulogies, right? What did it say about poor Moses in verse one? God says, Moses, my servant is dead, now go. Now we gotta stop here for a second because the Moses that we're talking about, and again, I think we're gonna explore this next week, this is the prince of Egypt, Moses. This is the 10 plagues on Egypt. This is leading the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground. This is the Moses that came down from the mountain with the 10 commandments. This is the Moses that met face to face with God. And at the end of Deuteronomy, it actually says that Moses outside of the person of Jesus was the greatest prophet to walk the face of the earth. This is the Moses that we're talking about. What's he get upon his death? Moses, my servant is dead. Right? Don't you think that he would have got more recognition than that? And it's kind of funny, we're, we're making a joke a little bit about it, but I think there is something serious to see from this in the way that God communicates to Joshua about Moses. I don't think he's making light of Moses. I don't think that he is um, not honoring him in the way that he deserved, but what the Lord is communicating to Joshua in this is that when a man or woman of God dies, nothing of God dies. When Moses dies, when you die, when I die, the purposes and the work of God don't die, they continue. And one of the things that he's communicating to Joshua is as great of a man as Moses was and as great as what he accomplished for God, his job's done. His assignment, his calling is done. And God's saying, there's still work to do. Pick up your bag. Let's go. Let's do it. And I think what we see here oftentimes is, is we get so caught up on the person and you got to remember that Joshua is following in the footsteps of Moses, which would be pretty intimidating, I would think. But the Lord is communicating to Joshua, Moses was a person, and when it comes to the things of God, the purposes of God are always gonna be bigger than the contribution that one person makes to it. So he's saying, Joshua, let's go, have courage, we got work to do. That was Joshua's calling. Now I wanna talk about calling for a second for us, because I think this is a big, uh, it's a big deal, and I think there's a lot of questions surrounding calling. In fact, if I were to tell you this morning that you could have one question today to ask God, and he would answer that one question. Make it good, because you only get one. You only get one question, and he will answer it today. I think a lot of our questions, maybe not all, but a lot of our questions are gonna have to do with this area of calling. What does God want me to do with my life? What's my purpose? Why do I exist on this earth? What should I do in this situation? And we're not gonna spend a ton of time here because I think this really could be a series in itself. But I wanna answer this kind of broad in general because I do believe that God's calling for us all starts in the same place. I wanna talk about that for a second, but I also believe um, that we have what I'm gonna call seasonal callings, that God calls you to a thing for a season. And oftentimes we, we kind of wrestle and struggle with, is this God calling me to this certain decision or am I just in my head? Anybody else been there? Is this God or is this me? Right? You can fill in the blank for what that calling or decision point is for you. Maybe it's moving, maybe it's taking a new job, maybe it's leaving a job, uh, maybe it's who you're gonna marry, maybe it's what church you're gonna go to, maybe it's what church you're gonna leave. Right? We have these decisions that sometimes are critical decision points in our lives that we wrestle with. 
Is this God or is this me? So I want to look at that as well today. Uh, But let's start with the general, the broad. I believe that all of our calling from the Lord starts in the same place. And I think it's a three-part calling. We're going to work in threes a lot today. A three-part calling. Um, And I got to be honest with you guys. This is going to sound cheesy. And, and I don't mean for it to. I, I don't like doing the, the rhyming things in the message and making everything look all pretty. But I spent a lot of time on these three words trying to come up with different words, and I couldn't. So these words all rhyme. It's not on purpose. But, but here's the deal. When it comes to our calling, I believe our primary assignment and calling from the Lord, three parts, is to know, is to grow, and is to show. Know, grow, and show. And as cheesy as it sounds, it's super powerful because our primary calling in this life is to know God. God calls us into a relationship with him. And then what he calls us to do is he calls us to grow in our relationship with him, to take our next steps, to say yes to the things that he asks of us, to say no to the things that he doesn't. And as we grow closer to Jesus, the third part is we're supposed to show more of who Jesus is to other people, right? In everything that we do, in our work, in our family, in our relationships, in our decision-making, know, grow, and show. And when we do that, I think we discover or start to discover kind of what God has purposed for you to do pretty soon after that. And that's where we get into some of these seasonal callings that I was talking about. So let's talk about that for a second. Some of the the decision points in our lives that we're trying to figure out, is this a calling of the Lord or is this just me trying to make my own decision? And we're going to look at, again, three things, three filters, I'm going to call them, for really how you should send every life decision through. And we're going to start with the first one, which is the Bible. The first filter, if you're trying to make a decision or discern, you know, if something is a calling from the Lord, you got to ask, what's the Bible say about it? Now, I know for you in your and my specific life situations, we're probably not going to find that outlined in scripture. You're not going to open to the book of Matthew and it's not going to say, hey, hey, Jerry, if you're reading this in the year 2020, I want you to quit your job and move across the country because I got an assignment for you. You're not going to find that, but what you will find, the more that you dig into scriptures, you're going to find biblical principles. And the more that you know biblical principles, the more these decisions in your life, you're going to be able to use this as a framework and a guide for how to make your decisions. And what I mean by that, I'll give you an example. If you're trying to or wanting to make a decision in life that goes against a biblical principle, I can 100% guarantee you it's not the Lord leading you to make that decision. Right, So we use these biblical principles as what does God have to say about it in the decision that I'm making. The second filter that we want to look at is called prayer and conviction. Again, this is more of what God has to say about it. Right? But at the end of the day, if, if you're trying to make a decision, you want to know what God has to say about it, ask him. Right? Ask and then listen to what he has to say. I talked about conviction, uh, I think the last time that I preached in regards to worship, so we won't camp out here today for too long either. But at the end of the day, you'll, you'll get a gut feeling for what the Lord is leading you to do. And at the same time, here's the caution. You cannot rely on that gut feeling only because some of the time it's true. It may be conviction. It may be the Lord speaking to you. Other times, maybe just our own humanness, right? Our own voice. And if you haven't spent time in that first thing in the word, biblical principles, if you don't know the word or the voice of God that well, it can be hard to distinguish, is this my voice or is this God? So what you have to do is you have to take that gut feeling you got to line it up with the first thing, the biblical principles. You also have to line it up with the next thing, which is godly, wise counsel. Godly, wise counsel. Here's all that this means. Ask other people, and I would say multiple people, not just one, and here's the kind of people that you need to ask. You need to ask people 
and, and kind of lay out your situation. This is the decision I'm wrestling with. What do you have to say about it? Ask people that you trust to have wisdom and not just an earthly wisdom, not just a financial wisdom, but a godly wisdom. And also ask people that you know or trust that they're hearing from the Lord for themselves, that their spiritual life is for the most part put together. I know nobody's perfect. What I'm saying is don't ask your buddy that you get in trouble with on the weekends. Don't ask a family member who's got a PhD in bad decision making. Don't ask the people that you know they're gonna tell you what you wanna hear. Ask godly, wise counsel and then line those things up that they say together against your own prayer, your own conviction. Line all that up against the biblical principles and if all of these fall in order and you don't see red flags popping up, it's a good indicator that yeah, maybe, maybe God is leading you into this decision or at the very least, he's okay with you making it. Some things he just leaves up to us but in all of our decisions, these should be the filters that we make to help discover calling so that we can step into courage. So number one is calling. Here's the second thing that I believe that Joshua takes out of his conversation with the Lord here. The second thing I believe that we need in our lives to step into godly courage. Number two is leading, leading. This is just following the presence of God, following the leading of the Lord into your calling. Because here's the deal, you can have a calling from God and you can step into your calling at the wrong time. And if you step into a calling too early, you can make a mess of things for yourself. If you step in too late, you can miss out on some things. And so it's important to listen and follow the leading of the Lord in your calling in order to have courage. We're gonna see Joshua experience this in verse five of chapter one where he says, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here it is. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Guys, this is huge for Joshua. The fact that God is telling him here, hey, just as I was with Moses, I'm gonna be with you has gotta be a massive courage boost for Joshua because you gotta remember that, that Joshua experienced and saw the incredible miraculous things that God did through Moses. You may not know this, but Joshua was born in Egypt, so he saw and experienced the 10 plagues that God brought on the Egyptians. He was with the Israelites as they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. He was on the same mountain as Moses when Moses came down with the 10 commandments. He, he experienced God's provision of manna and quail in the, in the wilderness. He saw all of these things that Moses did through the power of God, and now God is telling Joshua, what I did for Moses, I'm gonna do for you as well. And this has got to be huge for, for Joshua because he knows he's not stepping into his assignment alone. He's following the leading of the Lord. And that's gotta give him courage. And guys, I think this, this word leading is, is super important you know, for us to know that it's not just that God goes with us, but that he goes before us. Because as I was preparing for this message today, I started to think about, you know, I, I think that God's primary design for us is to is to carry his presence with us into whatever we do in this life, right? And that in itself doesn't sound like an incorrect statement. And yet the more I thought about it, the more I realized, hey, I don't think that's his primary design for us. I don't think he necessarily wants us to carry his presence into what we do. I think he would rather us attach what we do to his presence and what he's already doing. And here's what this means. This is, this is not me saying, hey, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna live life for me and I'm gonna make these decisions for me and my family and I'm gonna pray, hey God, will you join me in this? Will you bless me in this? Will you come on over here to what I'm doing? It's saying instead, God, I'm gonna follow where you're leading. 
I'm gonna attach what I'm doing and my purpose to where you are calling. It's not me first and God follows, it's God first and then I follow. Does that make sense? There, I heard a pastor uh, say one time, and this, is, uh, this guy's name is Crawford Loritz. He's one of my favorite speakers of all time. Uh, one, because he's, he's just got great biblical content. He's a biblical scholar, but two, the dude sounds like Darth Vader. And so when you're listening to him speak, you're listening to him do a podcast or message, it's like Darth Vader is speaking to me about Jesus right now. I'm getting pumped up to follow Jesus. It's awesome. But I want to share something that he says, and this is so key for us to understand. I want to put it up on the screen. We're actually going to leave it up for a little bit. He says this, our lives represent the activity of God during our moment of history. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants to do through what he's given me. And guys, leave that up there because I don't want you to miss this. This is the message for today. This is the message for every day. Our lives represent the activity of God during our moment of history. What does this mean for us? This means that our lives were not to be lived for us, that our lives are not about our purpose, that our lives are not about the decisions that we wanna make. It's saying rather God has a purpose for what he wants to do at this moment in history, the year 2020, he wants to do something and for whatever reason he calls us to be a part of it. And so going back to, to calling and assignment, our life's calling is to figure out our life's calling because we have a purpose that God wants to accomplish through you. And now granted, it may not be as big of a purpose as being the leader of God's people. Maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe he does call you to that. But what I do know is he has something that he wants to accomplish through you and he wants to show you what it is. And we don't figure that out until we follow his leading we say, it's not about me and what I want, it's about what you want. And that's the second way that we step into courage. The third thing that we see Joshua take in his conversation with the Lord, the third thing that we need is instruction. Instruction. Because guys, here's the deal. You can have a calling, you can have an assignment from the Lord, you can even follow his leading, and at some point, you're gonna have to get the how. Right, you're gonna have to get the how. How do I accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. And we're gonna see what this is for Joshua here in verse number seven. He says this, here it is again, be strong and this time very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So guys, here we see that the key to success in living out God's assignment for us is to follow his instruction, is to follow the commands that he gives. And for Joshua, in his case, this is the 10 commandments. This is also the book of the law that we see in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, book after book and page after page of instruction that God gives his people. What we see happen is every time God's people follow the instruction of the Lord, it says that they're successful and therefore they can have courage and they can step into whatever battle they're stepping into. They can step into any opposition that faces them with courage because they know God's going with them because they're listening to his instruction. However, on the flip side, and this is the story of the Old Testament, every time they don't listen to instruction, every time they don't follow what God asks them to do, the Bible says that not only is God not with them, 
He says, oftentimes the Lord himself actually opposed his own people. That the Lord himself fought against his people because they weren't listening to instruction. Now guys, I want you to think about this. If one of the ways that we have courage, we talked about this in point two, if one of the ways that we have courage is we know that God is with us and he goes before us, imagine the lack of courage you're gonna have, noticing that not only is God not with me, he's actually on, on the other side of the battlefield with the other army about to open up a can on me, right? That would be an extreme lack of courage. And he, he does this and, and teaches the Israelites this in the Old Testament. I believe the same is true for us that we see in this verse that the key to success in whatever way you wanna define it, I know we all would define success differently, but I'm gonna remind us in point number two, is your definition of success the same as God's definition of success? We see in this verse that the key to success is linked to what we do with the word, because that's God's instruction for us, living, breathing word of God. I wanna look at something else here in this passage, I wanna go back to, uh, to verse eight because I wanna make a distinction between knowing and doing. And I think this is important for us because in verse eight, it says this. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, this word meditate is kind of an interesting word. I think in our cultural context, even in our language we don't know what to do with this word meditate. If I was to ask you, what does it mean to meditate on something? What would you say? I know for me, before I dove into this passage, I probably would have said, I mean, I don't know, I guess thinking really hard about something for a long period of time, like meditate, right? But that's not what it's saying here because you cannot meditate in that way, actively think about scripture day and night. 24-7, and honestly, at the risk of sounding ungodly, who would want to do that even if you could, right? So that's not what it's saying here. What's, what's it communicating to us? This is really interesting. This is really cool. I want to show it to you. This word meditate in Hebrew is the word hagah. This is the same translation of the word meditate that we see in Psalm 1, very similar passage of scripture where it's saying meditate on the word of the Lord day and night, and this Hebrew word Haggah could literally be translated into English instead of the word meditate. It could be translated into the phrase dull sound. Dull sound. What does that mean for us? We're supposed to dull sound the word. Here's what I think it means. I think it means that God's word and instruction for us should not be something that we just actively focus on from time to time. It shouldn't be just something that we memorized that we quote, but it should be a part of our identity, that it becomes who we are, that we know it so well inside and out, that it's a normal, constant part of our environment, a constant part of the way that we live. Again, going back to scripture being living, active word of God. We gotta live it out like a dull sound that you just get used to. Now, you guys may not realize it, but you are about halfway into right now an experiment that we are doing together I'd like to invite you to finish here in the room online. If you're online, this may be a little bit tougher depending on your environment. But here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to just stop what you're doing, get as quiet as you can. I want you to, for the next 10 seconds, just listen. And for those of us who are competitive, I'll give you a hint. There is something for you to listen to. Something coming out of the speakers in this room, something coming across the online feed. Something for you to hear. I want you to spend the next 10 seconds figuring out if you can discover what it is starting now.
Anybody hear it? Raise your hand if you're in the room and you think you know what I'm talking about. A few, a few, a few. I know this is a hearing test for us this morning that you probably were not prepared to walk into, and I know that our level of hearing is on different planes, so I know that not everybody is gonna be able to hear this, and that's okay. We're gonna turn it up. Dave, go ahead and turn it up in the room. Do you hear it now? This is the sound that was available for you to hear, and what you may not have realized is that our team turned on this sound about five minutes ago at a low volume. Now, you may have heard it come on, and if you heard it come on, you may have thought, I wonder what that is. You may have thought, hey, I wonder if they know about it. It kind of sounds like a technical difficulty. You may have wondered, are they gonna do something to fix it? And yet, I'm gonna be willing to guess that if you heard it, and if you asked those questions, I'd be willing to bet that that was the last time that you thought about that sound. I'm gonna guess that over the last couple of minutes that your ears adjusted, that it became a normal part of your environment, that it became a constant, so much so that you forgot about it. Now we can get rid of that sound and take it all the way out, let our ears adjust right back to normal. It feels weird, doesn't it? Because you got used to it. Guys, I think this is what this word meditate is talking about in scripture, that when God's word becomes so much a part of who we are, that we are living this out, that it is a constant part of our environment, that it is a normal part of our life. It's not just a section, it's a normal, like a dull sound. That's what it's talking about. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't actively focus on scripture. I'm not saying that we shouldn't memorize scripture because that's super important. What I am saying is I believe that too many followers of Jesus use the word of God as a point of reference for their life rather than living out from a place of who they are. And here's the difference. When the Bible's a point of reference for you, you're gonna use it when you need it. When you're going through a tough season of life or when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, when you have got a difficult decision to make, you're gonna run to scripture and you're gonna find the scripture that lines up with your situation. You're gonna memorize it and you're gonna claim it. And yet that's not the way that we are supposed to live. We're supposed to live out constantly. Again, living and active God's word, and when we do that, it's an added element of courage, knowing, again, that God's gonna go with us because we're following instruction. Here's the last thing, and we're gonna end here for this morning. Last thing that Joshua needs, the fourth thing that I believe that, that we need if we're gonna step into a godly courage is a word called faith. Faith. Because at the end of the day, you can have calling and an assignment from the Lord. You could follow his leading. You can live out actively his instruction. And yet at some point, you're gonna have to make a decision to trust. You still have to trust that, that God is who he says he is, that he's gonna work on your behalf. You have to have faith in the Lord. And I know that we didn't spend a ton of time in the story of Joshua. We spent most of our time in the conversation but in the rest of the story, Joshua goes on, he, he listens, he obeys, he leads Israel across the river and they begin to conquer the promised land and they settle there. And in Joshua chapter four, we see that after they cross the river, and it's worth noting right here that the way that they cross the river is very similar to the way that Moses led the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground where God stopped the flow of water 
the Israelites crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. It was another indicator, another reminder of the Lord saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm going before you. You can trust me in this. You can have faith. So they crossed in a miraculous way, but in, in chapter four, as soon as they get to the other side, it says they build a monument to the Lord out of stones. And I wanna look at what Joshua says to the people about this monument. In Joshua chapter four, verse 21, Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And here's what Joshua's telling them here. And I think there's two things that we need to take out of what he says. He's telling them, one, you can trust and you can believe that because God was faithful in the past, he's gonna be faithful in the future. Because you experienced God be faithful here, you can trust that when you're walking through this thing over here, he's gonna do the same thing. He's gonna be faithful. And every time we see God's faithfulness in our lives, it builds our faith for the next time. I've heard it said before that the best predictor of God's future faithfulness is his past provision. The way that we know that he's gonna come through for us in the future is because we can trust, rely on what he's done in the past. And the second thing I think that he's telling his people is that we can also draw on other people's experience of God's faithfulness to help boost our own faith. Because here's what I know. I know it can be dang hard to have faith and to have courage in the midst of some of the situations that life throws at us. When you're walking through your lowest point, when you're going through your lowest valley, when you're headed into the biggest fire that you've ever been in your life, it can be hard to have faith, especially for those of us who maybe this is a new thing to follow Jesus. Maybe you haven't experienced God's faithfulness firsthand for yourself, or maybe a better way to put it, maybe we haven't realized it yet, his faithfulness. So it can be hard to trust that he's gonna be faithful in the future. And what he's saying here is, when your children's children ask, kids that aren't even born yet, who haven't experienced God's faithfulness for themselves, when they ask, tell them what God did for you. Tell them about God's faithfulness for you. Last message, I spoke about worship being an interactive thing, something that we are meant to experience together. I believe faith is the same. I believe faith is not something that we should be doing on, on our own. Draw from other people's experience to help boost your own faith, to know that you can step into what God is calling you to step into with courage. And it's not a courage that you muster up on your own. I know many of us in this room and online would say maybe it would be easy to have courage if I had what Joshua had. If I had the voice of the Lord that audibly spoke to me and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. It'd be easier to have courage. Here's what I would say to that. I would say one, in a way, we have that. We talked about it in point number three, instruction, the living, breathing, Word of God, biblical principles that we attach our life to. Here's the other thing I would say. We have an advantage that Joshua didn't have. We read about it. We read that the Lord promised to be with Joshua. And yet what we have through the cross is that the Lord promises not just to be with us, not just to go before us, 
but he promises to work within us. And here's the difference. The Bible says that we have access to the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of us. We have access to it. And this is our greatest source of courage. And guys, honestly, it's our first source of courage. We got to start here. I know that I'm preaching this message a little bit backwards because we're ending on the place that we should have started. Because I believe there can be no courage without a relationship with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, without Jesus, there's, there's no hope. And I don't believe that you can have hope, or excuse me, I don't believe that you can have courage in the midst of not having hope. You can have courage in the face of what seems like there is no hope. But where there is truly no hope, there can be no courage. And so we're in a minute, if that's you and you've realized that I don't have a godly source of courage because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're gonna give you the opportunity to do that in just a minute. I wanna say one more thing. Some of us may know this, this may be new for others, but the person of Joshua in scripture is what we call oftentimes a foreshadowing of the person of Jesus. And what I mean by that is many of the things that Joshua did for the people and leading them into freedom parallels the story of what Jesus did for us on the cross and leading us into freedom. And I want you to miss this here. What Joshua did for the people geographically in fulfilling the Lord's promise to them, what Joshua did geographically, Jesus did eternally in fulfilling the greater promise of salvation. We have access to something greater than what Joshua had. It's our first source of courage. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in the room, or if you're online and, and you want to step into courage. More than that, if you wanna step into life and freedom and purpose and meaning, all the things that we've already talked about this morning, if you wanna step into a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says there's only two things that we need to do. We need to believe and confess. Believe in our heart that God died for our sins, that he raised from the dead so that we could be raised to life, and then confess that, that Jesus is Lord, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that this morning. If that's you and you wanna pray that prayer, I'm gonna lead you in it. You can pray this prayer quietly after me, but pray it to God. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could step into life. Today I choose to make you my Lord. I pray that you would help me live out every day the best that I know how to follow after you. Now head still bowed and eyes still closed. We want you to know that one, if you made that decision, we are so excited about that. We wanna celebrate that with you. We also wanna help you in what's next. And somebody will be up here in just a minute to walk you through how we can help you in this journey to follow Jesus. But the other thing I wanna ask you to do is to mark this moment in your mind. We're gonna mark it physically today, and I'm gonna ask that if you made that decision, on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to slip your hand up in the air. There's nothing weird about it, but mark this in your mind. On the count of three, one, two, three. Raise your hand if you made that decision to follow Jesus this morning. And we have a family tradition around here that as you put your hands down, 
We're gonna put our hands together. We're gonna tell you welcome home. Welcome home.